to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day post-game reaction podcast. I'm Seth Mundine here with Lebda's Legacy. How's it going, everyone? We're going to wrap up the Leafs' overtime loss to the Canadians tonight. The Leafs got the goals from Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley, while the Canadians got their goals from Toffoli, Dano, and Caulfield. Lebda, what did you think of tonight's game? Honestly, I, I don't really know what I think, because the Leafs dominated the Canadians in pretty much every stat or kind of every area of the game that we typically look like. And then they lost. It's a loss in overtime. You know, it's hard to get really, really mad. Jack Campbell had some really highs and then a stinky goal for the Deneau goal. So, like, there's a lot of just up and down kind of – I don't even want to say up and down emotions because I'm not mad about this game at all. I don't really mind too much that they lost. It's just unfortunate that, you know, we kind of went in full power and still lost. But with that being said, I'll kind of give the listeners a little bit of, you know, backstory to what I'm talking about. So possession numbers were at 59% uh, for the Leafs. Scoring chances at 59% again. High danger scoring chances or high danger Corsi 4 percentage was at 87.5%. And expected goals for the Leafs was at 54%. So you can see the Leafs, you know, offensively absolutely dominated this game tonight. Yeah, the Leafs controlled the game. For those high-danger chances at, at even strength, it was 7-1 for the Leafs. Now, if you throw in power plays in there, it was 9-5, so the gap was closed a little bit. And that's probably the biggest area of complaint that I would have tonight would be just special teams weren't great. But like you said, it's it's hard to get too mad about this. Campbell's been doing really well lately, so you're not – and it's not like he was horrible tonight or anything. It's just – it's a loss. Honestly, the thing that hurts me the most is just that that little pipsqueak scored the OT winner. Yeah, like after the game, that was the only thing I was actually mad about tonight is that it had to be him. But hey, who knows? Now we're just going to have to listen to the media just go on and on about how great of a superstar Cole Caulfield is going to be when in all reality, he's just going to be Mike Hoffman. But we'll, uh, we'll, you know, maybe hold off talking about that right now. But who knows? Yeah, it's been it's been five games for the kid. Like like, do something at even strength. I like two two overtime winners. Very good. Congratulations. Guess what? You never play three on three in the playoffs. So I'm gonna need to see him even even do something on the power play or something before I'm gonna be intimidated by him at all. Tonight his number like Caulfield only played seven minutes at even strength tonight. So clearly doesn't have the trust of Ducharme and his expected goals percent was 19. percent So. Not a great night for Caulfield on the whole, but people will see that little little shot he got at the end and think, oh, what a, what a great superstar he's going to be. Yeah, exactly. He's a one-trick pony. He kind of always has been. Who knows? Maybe maybe his game will, game will grow and Montreal being a good kind of possession team, maybe that is a good environment for him. But at this point, it's pretty clear that he is a one-trick pony, at least at the NHL level. So we'll see how his development goes, but... I'm not, I wouldn't be holding out hopes for him to be the next Austin Matthews. That's for sure. <laughs> no, not even close. Like I, I remember when he came up a couple weeks ago, there were people comparing his stats in the, the U S national team development program to Matthews. They're like, look, he had more goals here than Matthews. It's like, you guys do realize he played an extra year there. Right. I think he had something like 20 goals in 32 games. He had like 33 points. 
Meanwhile, Matthews, when he he did the same thing, he had like 48 points in 24 games. They're they're not the same. Anybody who tries to tell you they're even remotely close is absolutely lying to themselves. I'm just hoping that that goal doesn't start to give them some confidence at five, five on five. But moving on to the game, it started with a quick goal uh, four minutes into the game by Morgan Riley on a on a point shot. Like on first glance, I kind of thought it was tipped, but it didn't look to be. These are the things that I always scream about my TV at with Morgan Riley. Like, do not shoot this puck. You can, you, he just gets that look. Like, obviously you can't see his eyes, but he gets that look in his eyes where you're like, you, he's about to take a real dumb point shot right now. And, hey, I mean, this one worked. And, yeah, like you said, I think it went through Galchenyuk's legs before it went into the net. Um, it, it was a good good forecheck by Galchenyuk and Nylander. I think Nylander actually gets the turnover. Um, and then Galchenyuk works it down to Riley, takes one of those dumb point shots. But, hey. Sometimes dumb point shots work, so I won't uh, won't criticize him on that one, but usually that is kind of a play that makes my brain explode. Yeah, it's one of those no, 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 yes moments, but it ended up working. And uh, what, like you said about Galchenyuk, he actually had a good night tonight too. At 12 minutes at even strength, he had a 64% expected goals, 75% Corsi. He's, he's playing a little better, and we said last game after Vancouver, it's kind of – it's hard to read into his performances against Vancouver because they're basically a glorified AHL team at this point. But we do know that Montreal is a very, very strong team at five on five. So it was good to see that line post some good numbers together tonight. Yeah. Anytime you post really good kind of possession numbers or expected goal numbers versus the Montreal Canadiens, it does mean something because that is what the Canadians are good at. They're just not good at, you know, putting the puck in the net when it, you know, with all that possession. Yeah. Now, Obviously, they they beat us in that category tonight, but that's that's something that that on the whole you're not going to be too worried about with the, with the Canadians. If you if you play them to even on the the expected goals, the possession, all of those kind of stats, we've said it a thousand times. The Leafs are obviously going to come come out on top in those situations, especially with the way that our goaltending has been playing compared to theirs. I know tonight wasn't the best night for. For Campbell, but he had a 927 coming into this game while Jake Allen only had a 909. So, yeah, if that, if that line's going to keep doing that, then that's really, really good for the Leafs because you really want to be able to get one of Felino or Hyman on that third line to have a real shutdown set up there. Yeah, and that Tavares line had had a couple, you know, kind of weaker games for them. Galchenyuk definitely had some very, very poor games. So it's nice to see that the last two games they've rebounded from that got back a little bit of their touch um, and kind of give you a little bit more confidence going forward that, okay, like Alex Galchenyuk, maybe he is going to have a little bit of ups and downs, but he at least looks like he can hang out with that line going forward. Yeah. And they have, they have multiple options with their, with their lines too. I, like it's, it's going to be questionable with Felino because uh, he did leave the game tonight with an upper body injury. So you, you got to hope he's coming back, but especially if, if Felino is going to be out, for the start of the playoffs, Galchenyuk being able to stick on that line is going to be very, very important for us. So the Leafs took that one nothing lead into the second period, and the Habs were able to quickly tie it up off a Tyler Toffoli power play goal on a very questionable penalty on William Nylander. Yeah, so for the goal, the Habs have lots of possession. The Leafs kill didn't do a great job on that one, kind of getting the puck out of the zone or pressuring the Habs. Basically, they're working it around. They get a cross-crease pass. That's kind of their setup. That's what they like to do on the power play. Goes right to Toffoli. Jack Campbell's a little bit slow to react. I think he just couldn't 
track the puck or he couldn't see it to actually slide across. So just a, uh, it's, it's a good goal from the Montreal power play. No real fault to Campbell, but yeah, he was just a little bit slow getting over it. But yeah, with that soft call, like it just highlights, you know, kind of the night for the officials there. They were bad, bad, bad tonight. And, and both ways, like we're not just talking about bad against the Leafs or whatever. Like there was just questionable calls all night for both teams. Yeah, it was terrible. The Leafs were up one nothing, and at, at that point, the power plays were three nothing for Montreal. And it was like they're—I don't know if they were trying to keep the game close or whatever. And then, right after Montreal scores that power play goal, the Leafs were able to get a power play, but that was off of a, a puck that was shot out outside the glass. So that—that that wasn't even anything the refs could have done. They had to call that. But yeah, it was just really bad both ways because Nylander had another penalty late in the period for tripping Josh Anderson, which, man, like Anderson. Collect your Oscar, buddy. Nice dive on that one. So they call that weak call. And then, like, two minutes later, Tim Liljegren absolutely hauls down a Canadian's player behind the net. No call. It's like, are you trying to do a makeup call here? Or what? Like, it's just, that's the most frustrating thing. If you're going to, like, pick a lane when you're a ref. If you're going to call a, a shit game, do it. Don't call any penalties on both teams. If you're going to call chintzy stuff, then call it all day. Don't give me some of this, oh, you know, you breathe on someone here, it's a penalty, but then you take off somebody's head later on in the game and it's not. Like, how are, how are players supposed to play the game if they have no idea what a penalty is? Yeah, and the officials have had a little bit of, you know, eyes on them all season after that incident in Nashville. And I think it's clear tonight, it just looks like the refs had a bit of an agenda coming into the game. They're like, hey, you know, we're going to get get the Habs on some power plays early here and then we'll let the Leafs kind of even it out, see how the game goes or whatever. But it just looks like NHL officials come into a game with like, okay, we're going to do this tonight and we're going to call this tonight, whether it's soft or whether it's hard or whatever. And then as the game progresses, they're like, oh, we can't call 17 penalties tonight. So then we're just going to slowly let everything go. It's just, it's got to be so difficult for the players to get a feel of the game and a flow to the game and learn how they can defend or learn how they can forward check or, oh, this stat stick taps okay here when a guy does it to me and then I do it and you get a penalty. Like, it's got to be so, so frustrating just the stuff like that. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is that it, it kind of is nice that they're getting this out of the way now, so it's not going to be something, some kind of stupid surprise in the playoffs. Like, the Leafs aren't aren't living and dying off the power play like they, they did in, in previous regular seasons where they would, you know, you get four or five power plays a game in a normal regular season. It's been like this all year where the least, if they get three power plays in the night, that's a real treat. So I am happy. Like I, I just, it's hard to imagine it getting any worse for the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see any less whistles than we have seen lately. I know like it's clear the North division has the real C team of NHL referees. All the A and B teamers are in other divisions. So the travel because of the travel uh, restrictions there. So I don't know if that changes in the playoffs or if these refs that are in the North division now are refing the North division all the way up until um, like that's decided and they move on to the semifinals or whatever. But uh, yeah, like the kind of usual stigma around, Oh, the playoffs, the whistles go away a little bit. They can't go away anymore. Like it's really, really tough to see things really changing. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing you hear with Habs fans all year. They're like, well, wait till the playoffs. That This Montreal team is built for the playoffs. The Leafs can do all their fancy-dancy stuff in the regular season. It's like, I don't think it's really going to change. Like, the what teams have been hacking and doing everything. Like, the only way it could change is if 
in the playoffs, Montreal decides, hey, this is the playoffs. I'm going to try even more dirty stuff because I know I'm going to get away with even more. Maybe, but you see it every time somebody goes in, they on a dump in, there's interference. And it's it's not just the other team. The Leafs do the same thing. So we're at least taking advantage of it to our own respect as well. So I really don't see that there's going to be that much of a difference between regular season and playoffs this year, other than simply intensity. And that doesn't really help the argument of, of Habs fans saying their team's going to play better because it's more intense. Like, if anything, a higher level of intensity is probably going to favor the Leafs because if the Leafs decide they're going to try, guess what? They're a lot better than you, Montreal. Yeah, and kind of, oh, the hitting goes up and the toughness goes up in the playoffs. But we've seen the Leafs in games where the hitting goes up and the toughness goes up and they respond and they just absolutely dominate teams after that. So I just, the usual kind of stigma around the Leafs, all playoffs, they're a soft team. You know, it gets different in the playoffs. It's a lot tougher to play against. The Leafs team has answered a lot of kind of those criticisms or those questions leading up to the playoffs. So I just, I don't, I don't see them folding style-wise like they maybe have in the past. Like the only thing that's going to really ruin the Leafs playoff chances is goaltending for either the other team or their team in my mind. Yeah. Now, speaking of the refs, the Leafs did get three power plays tonight and they tried something interesting. They put Sandine up on that first unit, which I really liked. He does look very confident and poised there. And he, he does seem to have a bit of a better ability to, to kind of lay tape, tape passes on the power play than Riley does. But even though they had a lot of zone time, it just, the power play just didn't look dangerous. Yeah, it looked like it did when they were on that big O for a skid where sure they have the puck in the zone and then they're just they're all just standing in the exact same spot that they always stand in. Pass goes from Riley to Matthews, he kind of does whatever and then turns around because the lane's not there back to Riley and then that goes over to Marner. It's just super lazy and predictable. So I don't know if it's just an off night or who knows, maybe old Manny Maholtra got back to coaching the power play on the off day. I certainly hope not, but just really, really poor from the Leafs tonight on the power play. For someone as lethal as Austin Matthews is at five on five, it's a wonder he doesn't light it up more at, on the power play. Like they have to find some something to get him going on the power play because you look at the best goal scorers in the league. You look at Ovechkin. Matthews is is quite a bit better at scoring at even strength than him, but Ovechkin is able to make his money on the power play, and we. I don't know if it if it'll require a, a change in position for Matthews on the power play or what, but whatever they're doing is just not been working this year. Yeah, I think part of it is the way they set up. They have a lack of a shooting option other than Austin Matthews because they have John Tavares in the slot. Who sure if he's open, he can get a shot off, but that's going to be a quick either tip shot kind of thing or a quick one timer, you know, something like that. Uh, Mitch Marner isn't a shooting option. I know he's done it a couple times on the power play, but let's be honest. No one is terrified of a Mitch Marner showing on the power play. I don't think he has a power play goal all year. Yeah. And then Morgan Riley or Rasmus Sandin at the point shot, you don't want point shots anyways, but they're certainly not a threat. So your second kind of best option is William Nylander who plays below the net, which I think is a good position from him, but it just allows other teams penalty kills to key in on Matthews and be like, you know what? This guy's not beating us. It's up to you guys to figure it out. Either, you know, move Matthew somewhere to where we don't know he's going to be, and then that's how you figure it out, or have someone else who's going to shoot the puck and figure it out. But it's quite clear that teams are like, that Matthew's kind of skate in wrist shot. We're not letting that happen this year. That's what it seems like. 90% of the least power play is trying to get that shot free. Like, it's trying to work things over so you can kind of draw guys away from Matthews and get 
get them coming in from the top of the blue line, skating in with speed and ripping it. But the other team knows it's coming. You need to mix it up. You need to try something else. We've seen in the games when they've gotten power play goals, it's because Matthew slides to the middle, Tavares slides out to the boards. And then at that point, then it becomes chaos for the other team because they don't know what's going to happen. But if you are continuously just trying to feed the same thing, keep trying to jam the same square peg into the round hole, it's just not going to work. You just like, I, I get that he has the best shot in the league and he is the most dangerous score. But honestly, I like, would it hurt to just say, hey, boys, for this power play, let's not even try that once. Let's just try to do everything else. I think the other team would be so off guard in trying to prevent against that. You're going to see some other open lanes. You're, even if your main target is Austin Matthews, which it should be, have it where he's driving the net one play and you try and slide a pass across to him. Or maybe he circles around him and Marner, do a little crisscross and then a one-timer option. So that teams at least have to think about something other than that wrist shot. Or boom, Matthews slides into the slot, John Tavares bounces out, and then they, they switch over again. Matthews goes down low. Like Get him moving around and shooting from you know three, four different spots on the regular on the power play so that teams are like, Oh, like he's, he looks like he's about to curl in for the wrist or Marner's going to pass it to him. But oh, last game he darted to the net or darted to the center. So I have to make sure that's, you know, kind of cut off or whatever. So teams just don't need to think against the Leafs power play. And I think that's their biggest issue. And I think that issue really does come down to, you know, coaching and how they set up. Because you saw it tonight. They, it's not like it's a problem with loading the unit and with, because they were loading that unit and they were giving them a minute and a half every time and they still couldn't generate anything. So. It's definitely a problem. Like that is probably the biggest thing that they have to solve before the playoffs in my mind. Yeah. And they're so good 5v5 that it does cover up a lot of kind of the issues the bad power play presents. So this team still can rip goals, but if they can rip goals like this 5v5 and rip goals on the power play, it's just so, so deadly. Cause even if you look at, how few power plays you get in the playoffs. Say you probably get about two a game in the playoffs. If you can click at 25%, that's a goal every other game. The way they're doing, they're, they'd be lucky to get 10%. So it's going to it's gonna be vital. And it, it, they could probably scrape by in the first two rounds without any power play contributions. But you get into the Tampas, the Vegases, the Colorados, you're, you're going to need your special teams to give you to at least play you to even if you're going to have any chance against those kinds of teams. Yeah, and you can't let those special teams be such a black hole like the Leafs power play has been where it just sucks all the momentum out of a game because they can't get anything going. Like They need to at least – they need to be dangerous to an extent, but they at least need to generate chances and, and keep that momentum of the game going. And after the the Leafs failed power plays kind of killed the killed the energy of the game for a while the Leafs were able to get a goal at the end of the second period through none other than the big man himself Austin Matthews oh man he does not score ugly goals even his tip goals right in front of the net are just beautiful beautiful plays though I got to give some credit to Joe Thornton on that play just really really good work by Joe Thornton he gets a little bump up Felino goes off injured throw jumble up there and he works hard down low then it goes up to Muzzin. Muzzin, another point shot for the Leafs, which usually we're not too big of fans of, but I guess it worked twice, so maybe we should shut up a little bit about it. But, I mean, when Austin Matthews is the one tipping it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to go wrong there. But, yeah, just a fantastic play by Matthews, and then good work by Thornton. After that Felino injury, you, you saw Thornton. That was the very next shift, and he, he came and instantly made a contribution. It's good to see from Thornton that he still is able to work with those two. It might not be the ideal 
scenario with that line. Obviously, you're going to prefer a Hyman on that line. But it is something that Keith can kind of keep in his back pocket in the playoffs. If, if they need to mix things up, say line one's clicking, but line two or line three really is having a tough time, then he knows he can kind of spread the wealth with Hyman and, and put him over there to fix a line. And they can put Jumbo on there and not really skip much of a beat. I mean, yeah, Marner and Matthews are so, so good that it's hard not to produce with them. But it is nice to see that Joe Thornton, at least, again, we talked about it with the Felino too, where they're not anchors on that line. Maybe they're not as good as Zach Hyman. Few people would be in the entire league. But they're not anchors, and they can at least keep up with them and do do what those two kind of do well to complement what Matthews and Barner do well. So the Leafs were able to take that 2-1 lead into the third period, and they held on for quite some time. Campbell was looking really good. He made some nice nice saves. Nothing too, too hard, but he was he was looking really solid, and then the Canadians were able to tie it up with their net empty. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling as soon as that net went empty, I just was like, they're going to blow this one. I just had that feeling where they never blew the game open. Ilya Mikheyev had a chance to go down and score on an empty netter where he, he boofs it. And, you know, William Nylander missed on a breakaway earlier in the game. Mitch Marner missed on a breakaway earlier in the game. Like, it just had that kind of feeling. And then, yeah, Deno gets the puck down low, goes to jam the net, and Campbell just loses his post doesn't get his pad against it and puck slides in this is a this is a really bad goal on Campbell but it's just it's as much unlucky as it is poor goaltending and yeah it's not it's not the end of the world that he let that goal in he he had a solid game he's been playing really good not going to criticize him too much you, you would like a save but at the end of the day he didn't make it and that that sent the Leafs into overtime and uh Matthews and Marner two on oh like on what percent of those would you expect them to miss? Because I've seen, like, anytime you get two NHL quality players, they don't have to be Ma- Matthews and Marner. It could be, well, maybe not Mikheyev, but let's let's just say like Kerfoot and Engvall. They probably could bury a two on zero. So you see Austin Matthews. I immediately said, "Game over. This is done. There's no chance they don't score." <laughs> they didn't even get a shot. That was the ugliest two on zero I think I've ever seen those two produce like it it honestly looked like you and me out there just fumbling around and trying to be trying to be fancy like it was so so bad and and, like it kind of summed up the whole ot like that whole ot was just brutal just montreal being lazy and not trying anything and then the leafs get the puck and they're kind of lazy and not trying anything and then they get this one chance and they just like they pass it across a couple times. As soon as it like I see this pass going to Matthews, I'm like, boom, game over, done. We'll go celebrate. And then it just like rolls into the corner. I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is what's happening right now. It's just one of those those classic. It's probably an overused like cliche, but they had too much time. It, it was just too. I I honestly think they would have done better if there was a defenseman there defending the two on one. I think they just had too much time and they just overthought it. Like okay, let's do this. Tick tack tack tack. Boom. All of, a, all of a sudden, it's in the corner. And then that darn little squirt had to score the OT winner. Yeah, that's uh, like we said at the beginning. That's the only thing that pissed me off. Like, it had to be that idiot Caulfield. Now we're, <laughs> now we're going to have to just hear the media talk about how good he's going to be all game. I shouldn't even say that idiot Caulfield because I don't really dislike the guy. I have no reason to dislike him other than he plays for the Habs. And he is all we are going to hear about now for the next – two weeks until someone just bounces the Habs out of the playoffs. But Hey, I mean, two overtime winners in your career to start isn't the worst way personally, but 
I just I just don't want to hear about him anymore. I'll give him some respect when he puts up an even strength point. He's been five games. He's he's only contributed at uh, at three on three. So so let's see a little bit more out of you there, Gold Caulfield. Moving on to the stars of the game tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna take first crack, and I think it's somebody you probably wouldn't have taken from me anyways. I'm gonna go with Tiny Tim. Timmy, Timmy, Timmy Turner. Give me, give me Timothy Lilligren. He, he only played 10 minutes at even strength tonight, but he played with Muzzin on that on that second pair. He had 73% expected goals. Didn't look out of place. Good to see a young buck like that uh, showing up for us. He could play a role next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where we're going to see Timothy Lilligren really need to prove himself is for that spot next year. You know, who knows what the Leafs end up doing with the expansion draft or whatever, but maybe if Justin Hall somehow gets claimed or, you know, however it works, then Timothy Lilligren having a good kind of show for himself here is at least puts it in the mind of um, Kyle Dubas where he's like, okay, like maybe we do have a guy who's about ready to jump in and take some of those minutes and, and really help our team next year. I don't think we're going to see too much Timothy Lilligren in the playoffs unless there's a lot of injuries to the back end, but he still has something to play for to kind of prove himself for next year. And this this good game is is in all likelihood a result of playing with Jake Muzzin because we've seen Jake Muzzin make other guys look a lot better in the past. He did it with Zaitsev somehow in the playoffs a couple of years ago. He's he's made Justin Hall into the player he is. So you make a good point that he might, as weird as it seems, for somebody who hasn't been able to crack the NHL yet, there's a decent chance he ends up with Muzzin on that pair just because Muzzin is able to bring guys up a level. So if Lilligren can play pretty steady and not make too many mistakes. It, you, you're right. It wouldn't surprise me to see him there. Uh, now, who do you have for your first star? So this was a, a game where, like, the Leafs dominated the game, but not a lot of guys really stuck out to me. It was kind of a team effort. I know Austin Matthews scored a goal. Morgan Riley scored a goal. Both of them were, you know, decent on the night. But I think this is the kind of game where it's a perfect opportunity to maybe give it to, you know, a bottom six guy or a depth defenseman like you did. So I'm going to give it to the old Wayne train. Um, and honestly, mostly because he had 69% expected goals on the night and 60% possession on the night. <laughs> nice. That's that really is what swayed my vote on that one. But he did look like he was flying out there. He had one of his better games. I think him and Alex Kerfoot actually played really well in the third line for the Leafs tonight. So, you know, as funny as it is and as much of it it was kind of a meme-worthy uh, choice, I think he did actually have a good game for the Leafs tonight. He's been very solid lately. He's uh, he's really recovered since that wrist injury. He's, he's looking like a, a decent enough bottom six player. And we all know what he can bring, you know, in the room and from a physical impact. So... Keep playing like this, Wayne. We are we are enjoying it. So with their loss tonight, the Leafs moved to 33-13-6. and 72 points, still first in the division. Pretty much cakewalking there. Only four more games, guys. We are almost at the playoffs. The, uh, the only point of intrigue really is at the bottom of this division where Montreal was actually able to tie the Jets, who lost their seventh straight tonight to Ottawa. <laughs> so they both have five games left. Now, my ideal scenario here is the Leafs beat Montreal in the next two games. Montreal wins one, you know, wins one of their last five, and Winnipeg loses all of theirs, and we get to still face Winnipeg after after stomping Montreal. But it's looking it's looking dark in Winnipeg right now. 
Yeah, that's a team just completely imploding on themselves. Now, the one kind of right side to Winnipeg is their schedule is a lot cushier going forward than the Canadians. They only have to play us once, have play us another couple times. Uh, they play Vancouver, Calgary, and Ottawa, and that's their only opponents. So in all reality, they should be able to win a good amount of those games. But like you said, they just lost to Ottawa tonight and have lost seven in a row. And, you know, things are not good in that Winnipeg dressing room right now. So who knows what kind of catastrophic collapse we could be seeing in the Winnipeg Jets in the first round. I, I really just hope that, that it comes down to that last game against us versus the Jets. We can knock the Jets in the fourth by beating them. Just give them a little preview of what the playoffs will be and just kick the tar out of them one, one last game before bringing out the brooms in the playoffs. Now, uh, Lebda, do you have any final thoughts on that one? No, it, we kind of made our feelings clear. The Leafs outplayed the Habs, didn't get, you know, world-beating goaltending, and they couldn't really put the puck in the back of the net. So there's not much else to say about this one. So since there's not much to say, I'll just wrap it off. Now, if you guys did enjoy the podcast, please uh, remember to like and subscribe. Uh, download it. If you are on Apple Podcasts or I believe Google Podcasts, please leave us a review. That would mean a lot. Um, also, check out our Twitter and YouTube pages. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe. Check out the stuff going on there. And, uh, yeah, have a good night, everyone. Fun's all day.